This is Cult Scene's K-Pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight. And Joe Palmer. And on today's episode, we're discussing dance in K-Pop with our guest, Gabrielle Wilder. Gabrielle is a freelance music and culture writer based in Sydney, a runner of the KSRL blog that we all know her from. The reason, One of the main reasons we have Gabrielle on for this show is that we know that she has a background in dance and has loved it for a long time and does a bit herself. So I was wondering, Gabrielle, was the performances and dances of K-pop a big reason as to why you got into K-pop in the first place? Uh, yeah, it was. I was. Um, I became obsessed with Cuban salsa dancing, and I danced it. Uh, I learned it pretty obsessively, and um, I used to dance like you know four or five nights a week for like four hours a night and stuff. And then I went to Cuba to dance it as well, to learn it and, you know, to dance to all the bands. I'd always loved dancing. I'd always gone out to see bands and just danced in a fairly undisciplined manner. But learning to kind of connect my brain to my body, you know, and to and and learning to guide it. It's a similar thing, I guess, if you've ever played sport, you know, you, when you have to learn to, to teach your body what to do or whatever. Um, it kind of gave me a new appreciation for for dance and dances too and you know seeing somebody doing amazing things with their body I mean not that I was a professional or whatever but I was dancing a lot um and with another person too you know with salsa you're dancing with somebody else pretty it's an amazing experience actually it's 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 very um almost like a zen experience because you're just really right there in the moment and once you train at a certain level you you know, it only works if you if you can't think. If you have to be thinking about, oh, I'm going to do this next, it doesn't work because the music's running really fast and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You have to have muscle memory and you have to just be ready to go. And I also had a job where I was luckily, lucky enough to get kind of tickets to to ballet and, and contemporary dance and stuff. And, and I really just, yeah, had this extra kind of um, appreciation for the dancers and what they were doing. And, you know, and I didn't love every all kinds of dance, but I, I found that I was getting you know, just another, you know, more out of it. So, I mean, I've probably mentioned this before, but there used to be a TV show in Australia called Pop Asia that, you know, I stumbled across just flicking the channels and I started to see the that these groups of however many, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve 12 people, boys and girl groups dancing together. And it was the, the dancing combined with the concepts, you know, the theatricality and the glamour. It's 20, it was 2013, so... You know, I'm a late bloomer because also, you know, in, in hip hop, I guess it's changed a little bit recently, but for a long time in urban music and hip hop, there wasn't a lot of glamour either. It was, you know, all the torn jeans and everything. And 2013 had Sistar Give It To Me, you know, with all the kind of the, the sequins and all that kind of stuff. And That was a great year. It was. Nine Muses put out four singles as well, you know, and, and they were so glamorous, you know, with all their long legs and their yeah. formations. They did those beautiful formations and... And then at the end of the year, Shiny did everybody, you know, and I, I know, you know, a lot of, the, you know, people weren't that that keen on that, but the album was so good musically. But I really liked that concept of those, that kind of Teutonic, you know, uniform, just the theatricality of that and the way that the uh, choreography, you know, very strong choreography, but it also had quite a quite a theatrical kind of, thing to it with the the kind of the almost robotic the keys and winding oh not robotic but toys like the key in the back winding each other up and all that kind of stuff it was had an almost like a theatrical playful element to it as well so yeah it was just like a whole new world I guess really I, um the concepts were kind of 
you know, worked really well with the dance, so much kind of imagination and and that really just, you know, you get drawn. They, they create little worlds, don't they, with, with each little song with their concepts that can, you know, draw you draw you right, in, right into it. Yeah, I've got a theory that the that dance and the uh, the music shows are part of what makes K-pop kind of distinct and they're really important to it because, you know, one thing that is uh, a little unusual about K-pop is that the music shows are one of the main means of promoting mm. a song. And the last time I checked, there were like eight music shows, you know, and these are where your groups take turns performing whatever song they're promoting. And then there's some means of choosing a winner at the end. And part of what that means, I think, is that when you're you're planning a single, you're picking it, or even when you're writing it, that you you tend to have a concept. You know, how are we going to perform this? And you you think about how this song is going to be performed and what sort of choreography. Uh, and I think it also, you know, there are songs obviously that are promoted that aren't really dance songs, but I think it does tend to push the music a little more toward danceable mm. music. Too. Well, but it, it just doesn't need to be dance, though. It can just be upbeat. I mean, think of kind of like, you know, I mean, recently we've had a spate of kind of, not a spate, but, you know, the girl groups do kind of those power pop songs or, you know, and they might be guitar based or whatever. I mean, so it doesn't need to be, for want of a better word, urban or R&B. It just needs, you know, as long as it's got a beat, you can dance to it, I guess. That makes me sound like I'm from the 50s. But, yeah, yeah you know what I mean? That's what they used to say on Soul Train. <laughs> That's right, you know. So, yeah. so yeah. If anyone's watching the um, Mono Tree, the, the group of producers who work in K-pop, they have a new YouTube series where they talk about songs they've produced. And it's really interesting and cool, but they often talk about how great it is seeing songs performed as well as they are and sort of little parts where they might leave you know a little bit extra room for dance breaks or even just smaller dance parts as well so you know we know for sure that it's yeah yeah it's worth to watch the great ones on um wow that's interesting uh, i think they did butterfly yeah. recently and they did um on offs we must love and uh yeah they're really insightful and uh kind of shows the kind of the you know the vertical um integration of all of these ideas that mm. they have that's great that's really interesting i'll have to um have a look at that um yeah i just wanted to you know quick quickly add you know 2013 of course also was the year of um exo's growl which kind of became this iconic thing and i remember being you know flabbergasted by this you know supposedly one shot video of you know these uh, 12, guys, 12 guys, 13, I forget because three of them immediately left but um, <laughs> I'm not sure if it really was one shot or if there was some camera, camera trickery but um, yeah, it still was just you know so amazing and, and the choreography um, to do that, it had this like 3D chess, right, because you got a choreographic yeah, camera yeah. in there too. That's right yeah, the cameraman had to be probably as agile as the, you know, as the dancers like, you know, weaving in and out of them and stuff and I remember telling everybody I knew, you know, oh my god this is amazing, you have to watch it and to be honest, most people, you know, who weren't into K-pop were still pretty impressed, there was a lot they were like, oh my god, what, you know this is, this is the thing about them was not just the dancing and the choreography was but that they was how well you know a lot of the groups were dancing that they I mean I remember seeing a ballet performance I was with a friend and uh 
throughout this, you know, as the show was in three sections, I think, and I was watching it and I was gritting my teeth watching it because the dance, you know, these dancers were not in sync for the entire part of this show. And as soon as it finished, my friend said, those dancers were out of sync for the whole show. Like <laughs> so they really annoying her as well, you know, and, and, you know, so many of these groups just, you know, you just never see that. I mean, they're just impeccable performers. Like, I mean, not all of them. If you ever see a live performance and the camera's tied in on the faces, then you know that the, the rehearsal didn't go too well. But, you know, for the most part, they're... Um, well, that's they're the amazing good. thing is sometimes you'll see, you know, behind the scenes kind of stuff where they're critiquing their performances afterwards and they're like, oh, that was, you know, I wish I, wish I could do that again. And you think that was perfect. Now, what are <laughs> you talking about? They've got a high, they've got high standard. Yeah. Well, I was thinking back for the show, trying to think about memorable, you know, point dances and viral dances. And I tend to think of girl groups. I don't know if they, if, if they have more memorable point dances and things, but I tried to think of some boy groups. The first dance that came to mind was growl, but also at the, at the same time or, you know, around the time that they were performing that they were also performing, I always want to call it growl, but wolf um, which is not nearly as good a song, but the intro to Wolf mm. is amazing. You know, they've got that silhouette of the tree. Yeah, the formation and where they like make a formation of whatever it is. What is it? I it's kind of like a tree, but then the, these claws come out from the in, bottom. It turns into a wolf, right? It, well, he does. Yeah, yeah. It starts off yeah. with a tree, and then there's. I just watched it a little while ago, and then the the claws come out from the the side, and then the wolf comes from behind the tree. I guess. It goes downhill from there, but that's a... <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, Call Me Baby was amazing too. That's fantastic choreography yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, so let's go through. What are some of the What are some of the, the most memorable, epic, you know, point dances, viral dances that you guys that come to mind when you guys think of that? There's um, so many. I think we kind of have to mention um, EXID's Up and Down because that became a hit because of the, you know, the fan cam. I mean, it had died... It had died a death and then, uh, you know, Hanny's fan cam went viral and suddenly it was a hit and they became famous and now they're one of the biggest girl groups. So I think that's um, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's true. That's a whole category that we didn't put in the outline. There's dances that make that made groups, really. I was going to say made a song, but there's, I mean, that's an example of, that's was largely responsible for EXID surviving and, and becoming the group they are now. And the, another example to me is crayon pops bar 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 you know i think that choreography pretty much is what established crayon pop as a success for their moment in the sun that they had almost all the go group viral dances as well except for bar 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 maybe that's the one exception involves some sort of hip movements as well obviously up and down and abracadabra which yeah brown eyed girls maybe could have been big but without abracadabra they wouldn't be they'd be long gone i would imagine the arrogant dance. Yeah. The, the, the one girl group viral, any viral song dance I really think of is Kara's Mister because of how simple they make it look it, but how when you like, kind of look any further, it's, it seems actually incredibly difficult to be able to move your body and sort of bend forward in these very strange but um, captivating ways. Yeah, you're right 
about so many point dancers seem to be all the ones I've got are girl groups. So it's like Suju Sorry Sorry, right? That's like a really famous one. Yeah. But everything on my list is like, you know, I've got uh, Orange Caramels Catalina and twice I've got so many of them. Um, it surely must be deliberate. Yeah, I think that's one of the things along with concept that they think about as a point dance. I mean, when people go on shows, they're often asked about what's the point, what are some of the point dances or what's the point dance from this? Yeah, from that's this song. true. Mm. Well, back in the Sorry Sorry days, Hoot, that the bow and arrow move from uh, Girls' Generation was big. Mm. I saw lots of idols doing doing that. And I guess you've got, um, is it Weekly Idol, that show where they all have to dance things and that kind of helps to spread them, I guess. Yeah. You mean they, and they cover each other's, they cover other yeah. people's dances. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, they, you know, boys have to get embarrassed by covering a girl song and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Well, that's how you can tell when a dance has really become viral when other other idols are are dancing it. Yeah, that's right. There is, uh, I think, somewhat of a discussion to be had about, I guess, the, the general differences between boy and girl group dances, and that's potentially why girl group dances become more uh, viral because they're constantly going for like um, slightly simpler ideas. I don't think one is better than the other, but you know, boy group dances generally get more praise for being good and intricate and fast whereas girl group seem to go for more simple ideas of communicating the themes mm-hmm. of the song more so than showcasing um you know whatever sort of talents they have yeah there's a, there's an idea that like if it's really athletic you know uh or shows you know that they you know feats of strength or whatever then that <laughs> intrinsically makes it better choreography but or performance but you know that's not mm. necessarily true obviously yeah, no, I think that's right. When I, I when I was thinking of boy group point dances, there's so many boy groups that are do great choreography and really demanding dances. But I think you're right, Joe, that they don't necessarily have as many of those memorable points or or even dances that are as that you could do, you know, go to the club and replicate. Yeah. Mm. There's something to be said about that in terms of it's just not as memorable, I'd say. Like if I were to watch a a music show now you know there might be like a bunch of group boy groups on in a row and they might all seem very similar and you know they're going for the same general like ideas of you know just total intensity but then a group like 17 can come along and they can do that while also adding in a lot more you know mm. fun and um you know point dance type ideas and i think that sort of combination that they have is is why, for me, I would probably pick them as the best choreography group working right now. They're really good. Yeah, I think that, I agree. I think they're very good. Yeah, I went to see them in live as well, and they were they were just fantastic. I mean, all those routines that look so good on the live stages, they were absolutely outstanding um, in concert. Well, if girl groups tend to do hip movements, uh, the shirt lifting was... Uh originally a boy group sort of point <laughs> move, right? I don't I don't remember who originated that, but... Was it 2 p.m. maybe? Or was it earlier than Rain, that? Rain, I'd say. I don't, I don't really... I'm not familiar with this oh, word, yeah. but I imagine he would do something like that. Mm. And 2 p.m. Or but then like I think his, it was R- Rainbow that, that's, that... Uh... Yeah. There is one hard and fast rule. If there is only one hard and fast rule in K-pop, is that a girl group song that has shirtless and choreography is automatically good. And uh, go back through all of them; they're all really good. You got Rainbow, um, Brave Girls, what else? Hell of Venus. 
Yeah. That's three on the top of my head. Yeah. All amazing. Yeah. Gabrielle, you were talking about um, speeds. Oh, the Healy stands. Yeah. yeah. And it seems to me there's a category yeah. of use of props. I don't, maybe, I don't know if you would uh, call that a prop, but what Dreamcatcher has had the, the magic trick. Oh, that know, was so cool. Yeah. Choreography. yeah and, but um, tell us about the, the speed stage. That's, that was incredible. Yeah. Speed wore Healy's, you know, those Healy sneakers that have the heels in the back and, um, and did this, you know, just kind of like a regular boy group dance routine, I guess, except that they incorporated essentially, you know, rolling around the stage on these heels, but they also had backflips in it. Like a couple of them did backflips and, and, oh my God, every time I watched it, I thought they were going to land on the, you know, the heels instead of the, the flat part of the shoe. And, and then they would just slip and, you know, break their, <laughs> break their heads open. I mean, it was incredibly kind of daring routine, especially for a band that, uh, I think they've, have they disbanded or, you know, certainly they've. Haven't heard from them in a while. Haven't heard them for in a while, you know, but it was an amazing routine. It was, it was really Well, if there's a group that, you know, one thing we wanted to call out is a few of the groups that are known for their great performances but uh, i guess a good transition is there's there's a group that i don't know if you want to call them props but they're just known for their epic stages they have uh they've used drums and uh dancing poles and all kinds of stuff yeah the legendary after school who has haven't officially disbanded but everybody you know gives a hollow laugh when when i think anyone says that yeah, I wonder if maybe they'll combine uh, the Princeton member. I mean, they've got a ton of great idols over there. Maybe they can do something with them. Mm. Well, they only have, mm. have three Princeton members left. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I don't know if anybody is ever going to top after school's stages. No, no, they were just no amazing. One... You can go, go back now and look at those videos, and they're absolutely incredible. Yeah, no one has ever done what they have done, and I don't think they ever will, as you said. Like, the... Because there's like obviously so much practice and hard work goes into any choreography, just the amount of you know synchronization that they might have. But to have a dance on top of like learning how to pole dance, and not just learning how to pole dance, but be able to do it like incredibly professionally and up extremely high, and you're spinning and you're jumping back down. I mean, the the work put in there is insane, and it sort of shows as well that Lizzie Lizzie was injured, couldn't do it, and Raina was sort of injured so she could only walk on and off and I don't know, maybe it wasn't worth it to hurt, hurt those people but the the outcome was still uh, exceptional and I don't think anyone ever will be able to do something like that again no it's yeah it's pretty amazing and that and that came after they did let's step up which was the t- the tap dance in in 2011 and if you look at that video now it's just I mean not just the dancing which you know is amazing that they did it but the the whole you know the red boots and the you know, the sparkly little fringe dresses and everything. It's, it's really so beautiful. And, um, and then the, the marching band um, thing in 2010 is, as well. And, and, you know, we were saying that those were essentially for the intro sections of the, <laughs> of the albums, you know, it's like 90 seconds for the, both of those things, which is, you know, it's just amazing. I mean, I know, I think the concept for Bang was a marching 
they wore marching band uniforms and stuff, but they didn't actually play drums in that. They only played drums in there in the intro. So yeah, I mean the preparation for those it's insane. Yeah. There's likely a lot of these ideas probably don't come from but are come at least coming through their leader at the time, Park Gahi, because she was known as, you know, the great dancer, go group dancer of K pop and she's gone on to choreograph for others and she's been obviously a judge on Produce One oh one. Um and we kind of know her as an extremely stern and uh, leader of that group. But, you know, it's very rare to have a, a group whose leader is, is primarily a dancer rather than just a, a leader or a main vocal. Mm. So I think it's likely that, uh, yeah, a lot of the thanks go, go to her for being able to create such a like exceptionally well-performing group and while also doing these intricate new things of drumming or pole dancing or uh um, the tap dancing as well, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Kahi was key to yeah. all that. Well, are there some other are there some other groups that we should call out? I mean, so many groups are good, but are there any just exceptional performers? You know, I feel like uh, Miss A. I've always thought they had like three fourths of the best dance team, you know, in girl group K-pop. Min, Faye, and Gia were just incredible dancers and. I think they made the right move putting Susie in there, but with her limited training and, you know, all the other stuff that she had going on, she didn't even have a lot of time to rehearse. I think it kind of limited what they could do, but man, they had a ton of potential with those dancers. And I think the, the, the fact that there's only four of them as well, that's, you don't really think, aside from Shiny having five and now four, you don't think of any other groups with such a small um, amount of members that are, great um dance groups and it must be something to do with being able to move you know have sort of well i would think it's sort of i mean like different um planes on the on the dance floor where you got like people in the front and then the back and then you can move between each other you know creating sort of a, a dynamic movement on stage but then you i can as you said it's like miss aid have done great work and without susie they would have been a uh and a, a really great trio of, of probably very focused dancers rather than the kind of style that they ended up being. Yeah. I'm really a big fan of the, the big groups though. I really like to see, I really like to see a big group of people dancing. I, <laughs> I get really, I don't know. I just, I think it's a beautiful thing to see a big group of people dancing well. And, um, and the, the, there's, I just like the possibilities that there are with that as well. The, you know, that, the kind of things that open up, you know, when you can, if you've got somebody that's got the ideas and then you've got the performers that are up, up for it, you know, like, yeah. So, so I think 17 are a great example of that. Like we said before, you know, they, you can put, you can put a lot of wit into it, you know, like, and playfulness and stuff. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. That's it. What they do best. I originally at the, the start of the career, at least was that they can have like, a group of five or six at the front doing a proper dance, but then around them, you know, the rest of them are just playing around and it's, it's choreographed playing around. But it, as you said, it adds that sense of wit. It adds a sense of individuality, which you might think would be lost amongst 13 people, mm. but it, it just isn't at all. Um, That's right. Yeah. It adds something to it. And I think twice makes good use of their numbers. They, they tend to have, mm. they, they draw out these scenes, you know, and, and That's uh, right. It's yeah. not it's not so performance based, but 
they just have this amazing choreography and the pictures they paint and the stories they they tell with the choreography. Yeah, yeah. Mm. they like frame each other quite often. You know, particularly in yes, lock, I love that. signals where they're they're going around each other, they're putting their arms around each other, and uh, mm. and again, like yeah, so like particular scenes um, dotted around the dance floor. Um, it's also the reason why my other favorite K-pop group for dance right now is Cosmic Girls, who have exceptional grace and power, kind of in their songs. I think their their music sort of lends leans into that because it's a uh, the kind of space space age cosmic stuff, coupled with the the kind of orchestral, you know, electronic stuff that they have, and they really command a stage with such ease, and they move around each other, and they kind of feed off of each other as the the dance builds, particularly in the chorus for La La Love, their most recent song, had two great opening parts where Da Young did like a sort of a quick squat at the end of her part. And then the rest of them would kind of follow her as the chorus starts. And then in the second chorus, they don't have that, but the kind of movement forward is brought a little bit, maybe a, a beat or two ahead, so that they have an extra few steps to kind of move into the chorus and lead it off into its kind of, you know, it's a, the big moment of the song. Well, let's shout out a few great individual dancers and then move on to our maybe more in-depth discussion where we're each picking a topic to to talk about. The farthest back I could go is, and I hate to even bring it up um, because I'm not a huge fan, but if you go back and look, YG was an amazing dancer. <laughs> Don't laugh. He is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> He's the last guy you would pick now. And along the same line, Psy... <laughs> you wouldn't pick him out as the dancer either, but that guy can dance. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. I'll have to go and don't check you, that out. Don't you think? I mean, he's not up there with YG, but uh, maybe in the better than you would think category. <laughs> YG, YG potentially, uh, like, obviously being in So Tangy and The Boys, he was always going to be an influence, but his sort of hip-hop style and his whole yeah style of dance is potentially, like, the most influential thing that's kind of at least the the burgeoning points of K-pop. Yeah. He was like, he's all over it. And he still, it remains today, like still hugely influential. You know, I talked about Kahi, but like her, her style was always like hip hop and, you know, urban type stuff. And it was always, you know, the most popular type of thing to do. And I think it's changed slightly now, but it's still there and it probably always will be. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of it actually, if you hadn't said it, but uh, yeah, I just kind of clicked there. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> it's a weird one yeah you guys have any others boa was a, a prodigy yeah, yeah. one I, I think of is maybe not my favorite or one of the best ever but hyona i always really liked yeah and i, I sort of gotta go for think Hyanna. of it and the reason i sort of she comes up for me is that i was watching there was covers of lip and hip so i assume after it came out and I know that Miso, that rapper who did Pink Lady, she was in Girls, 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 did a cover. And if you watch them, like, one after the other, it's just the difference is astronomical. Like, no one can pull off her choreography without the aggressive sexuality that she has on stage. No one else in K-pop really can match that. Mm. So it's really, it's, it's, it's a fool's game trying to do what she does. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, yeah, I love that that attitude, and and I mean, I think I've spoken about that at least twice before in these <laughs> in <Yeah>. these podcasts. <laughs> but it's it's I think it's important what she what she's doing. It's not just you know enjoyable to watch or you know that she's a good dancer, but that edge that she has, it's important. You know, someone needs yeah. to be doing that. Um, she's making a statement, uh, and um, I don't know. You know, people kind of write off art or you know and culture or whatever when it comes to making statements and go oh we can't change anything or whatever but you know it can you know if she if other girls see her and like what she's doing and otherwise are timid or whatever and but they see her doing it it's important that someone's doing that and they see that someone's doing that you know so go Hiana yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to mention actually mine's a little bit out of left field. I was going to put in a vote for Hyosung who is not incredibly I would say she's not uh she doesn't have a whole lot of kind of tricks or anything, but I think she's got a really nice warm sensuality when she dances. She's got a fluidity of motion that you don't always see. You know, you see a lot of a lot of dancers as I mentioned are trained really well and and disciplined and stuff, but they sometimes lack a they sometimes lack a sensuality or a warmth. I know she's incredibly beautiful, and maybe that's coloring my <laughs> my view. But <laughs> she does, you know. I do think that she. I mean, I think Chungha has it as well. You know, like they just have they just have this ease of movement that you don't always see. So, yeah, I'm. She's gonna have a comeback soon, I think, and so I hope it's you know, with a song that allows her to, you know, really move. Yeah, there's more to performance than just athleticism and timing and whatever the technical aspects. Mm. Yeah, I think it, like if you're talking about K-pop and dance, like it, it's completely true for that, especially, you know, because obviously you talked about the music shows and maybe there's a close up every now and then, but like the expression on their faces is just as important as their the way they're moving their bodies in that moment so it, yeah it means that like a an average dancer can still kind of glow on stage whenever they're there because of how they can capture the camera or just anyone's eye as well as you mm-hmm. know I, t- I talked about Lee Cheon from Daya about this similar thing where she has you know she's the worst dancer and the worst singer in her group but you know every time I'm looking at her and she it's you know again maybe just because she's beautiful as well but her face is a particular controlled expression that always works. Yeah, she could be a Disney actress. You know, she can communicate mm. with her face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of great dancers, so we're each going to pick a topic to dig into a little bit. Um, and maybe we can start with, with Joe, because I know he wants to talk about a, a dancer, a new generation. Another Cheon and, and another produce member Cheon. And this is Lee Cheon from... Is one, is it is one, eyes one or eyes on? I'm not sure. I've heard all um, of them. I think it's supposed to. It's it's supposed to be any of them, but yeah, yeah. we know what you mean. Um, <laughs> I, hey, I just yeah. discovered Ab Six or whatever the hell they are. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> AB Six. Okay. Um, yeah, no. So what I want to talk about with Cheon is some hard work and effort and sort of effortlessness and I guess when you think of hard work in K-pop it's almost always it's one of the best attributes any idol can have when they talk about themselves or 
when uh, people talk about them, they can say how hardworking they are, you know, particularly coming out of the produce series that almost cherishes that to the point of it being the primary theme, you know. You think of Sohei from the first series, you know, she had no, no talent and no, no dance skills or singing skills whatsoever, but she put in the work and that's why everyone loved her. Yeah. The idea of hard work particularly goes with dance as well as that the thing that they have to put more most effort into is their dancing. You know, when they say they're up all night, they're in the practice room watching themselves dance. They're getting, you know, into perfect with each other and that synchronicity. All of this hard work adds up to them. So when they step on stage, that they show not even an ounce of this work and that the synchronicity is perfect. And it seems like they just kind of, this is in their body always. And in a weird way, it sort of feeds into that controversial idea of the manufactured K-pop machine. And I can imagine sometimes a non-fan watching some of these groups and thinking, oh, they're, look at them. they're all so perfect. It's like there's no soul to it or something you know, silly like that. What you know is not true, but that idea kind of kind of can crop up there. So this, uh, these effort and effortlessness are sort of a, opposed in terms of the hard work is 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 cherished, but the the showing of it is maybe vilified to a point. So this is where Cheon comes into me for me because a lot of cases I can see on her face, you know, the effort it's etched on her face, and it, it it's it's sort of a reminder. It's a, showing the visibility of her craft and showing the work that's been put in to make it perfect up there. You know, when I watch her now, it's one of the only times I've seen someone dance and thinking they could fly, you know, they could just take off. She moves in a way that that when she moves slow, it make, it, she looks, whenever she moves at a normal pace, she can make it look like she's either in slow motion or she's in like sped up fast motion. Isn't that her, her nickname, Feather? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, I think they've heard her. I've heard them refer to her that way. And um, three particular ones that I I enjoy her in is her first ever Produce Forty Eight kind of freestyle dance, which I don't think is freestyle. It's probably fairly choreographed. Same with you know Chunga's original iconic one, but it's yeah, still, it seems impossible that yeah, they extemporized those exactly. But <laughs> the the expression of her movements in those, um, in that is is like. She showed everything she could do right there and then, you know, she didn't ever need to improve from that point. She was already basically perfect at what she was doing. The M2 relay dance, you know, those relay dance where they, they show one at a time and they go around again. It's a weird one to pick yeah. because they don't often put much effort into that because it's like, it's not a serious thing. But it's funny watching like maybe one of the others just kind of go along with the choreo and then she kind of walks up and just explodes into the like perfect, like inch perfect idea of what the choreography is supposed to be. And just in this little video. And she performed Rumor, the song from Produce 48 as well, when iZone had their first concert. She's just in, unreal in that. Like, I mean, people talk about her, the use of her hair, but she does have, seems to have some, have some unnatural control of the way she moves her hair and just kind of. <laughs> Just like <laughs> destroys that choreography, like she's just makes the others really look like amateurs. So the way this is all to say that her expressions and her movement is a nice reminder of the constant hard work that these idols put in and uh, an awareness of the performer 
within the idea of K-pop and their, their, in the group choreography, but also to say that reminding us of that, she it's not it's not a weakness in any way. You know, it's it's almost like a it's a strength really in showing us that being able to kind of pull back and not just be as incredible as she is all the time, but to be able to go, this is you know my craft and this is my work that I've worked on for hours and hours and years and years to be this good. Well, it's such an interesting topic to me because one thing I really noticed about K-pop, you know, in Western culture, I mean, not to overgeneralize, but in Western culture, talent and genius is, uh, you know, I mean, the ideal performer is somebody who's effortless. They don't have to practice. Uh, you know, the, the smartest <laughs> student is the one who doesn't study and aces the tests and Shakespeare never blotted a line and all this sort of thing. And, uh, I think I think that effort is more valued in Korea. You know, I noticed that when you see these behind the scenes videos of a music video shoot or something where the people are thanking the crew when they finally finish, you know, in the US we would say something like, you know, I mean everybody thanks the crew, but we would say great job everybody. In Korea they tend to say you yeah. worked hard, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that would almost be a backhanded compliment in the US. Like, yeah, you yes, I mean, yeah, you guys yeah. really tried. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the implic the subject is you have no talent. <laughs> right. Right. Well, maybe next time. Yeah. Well, Joe, it's great that you talked about an idol and and the, you know, effort as one of the attributes of an idol that that you know idols are supposed to exhibit because i want to talk about uh an anti-idol concept and i mean it, internet please correct me if i'm wrong i think this might be the only anti-idol concept in k-pop j-pop has some anti-idol concepts but crayon pops bing bing specifically the delinquent schoolgirl version of bing bing um an anti-idol concept, so it's not like the distinction between artist and idol that people talk about sometimes. Anti-idol is if there's something an idol supposed to be, anti-idol is the opposite. So instead of hard work, you know, you're lazy. Or instead of being respectful, you're disrespectful. Bing Bing is, is Crayon Pop's debut song. And the reason there's a delinquent schoolgirl version is because that's not the original version of the, the stage that they did for that song. When Crayon Pop debuted, they did... They had a pretty generic, quirky, cute kind of concept. They performed in, I'd call them street clothes. You know, it looks like they went to the mall and tried to buy the whatever appealed to them. They Their performance, you know, they smiled. They had a, a cutesy kind of rap section. And it was a pretty conventional performance. Great song. I actually like the original version of the song a little bit better. But they promoted that song. And they also promoted their, their second release, Saturday Night, and then six months later, I actually found a little blurb that, that Jacques Peterson wrote, the infamous Arcady blog, pointing out that Crayon Pop, for some reason, was promoting Bing Bing again after their second release, but they had reworked it into a new concept that's, again, called you know delinquent schoolgirls, or sometimes they call it delinquent onis. I guess they're supposed to be <laughs> upper-class <laughs> schoolgirls. But this is when Crayon Pop started wearing the tracksuits. You know, and that's part of the anti-idol concept right. here is that Ellen used to complain about, uh, you know, at the music shows, it was kind of embarrassing because all the other girl groups, no matter what their concept, 
they all just looked gorgeous, right? I mean, no matter if you're doing sexy or cute, you're, you know, the point is to look pretty. And Crayon Pop is wearing their track suits. They've got, you know, for this concept, they've got Band-Aids on their faces, <laughs> which I'm thinking, I'm, I'm just speculating is maybe like a uniform violation kind of thing, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> like how far can you push the rules? Can Is a teacher really going to make you take a Band-Aid off your face? Like what if it's a real Band-Aid, right? <laughs> The best prop, you know, we talked about props a little bit. The thing that I think is just ingenious about this stage is um, Way had a lollipop, which is not oh, yeah. unusual for K-pop groups, but it wasn't like a girl's generation lollipop. It was, you know, like a little ball of candy on top of a stick, a, a dum-dum yeah, or a chippy pop kind of thing. Yeah. Is that what it is in Australia? <laughs> oh, you don't call them chopper chops? Yeah, we have yeah. them there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So she she has this this jammed into the side of her mouth and sort of in the way that a 50s hood might have a, a toothpick hanging out of his mouth or something. And, you know, you can just imagine the teacher telling her to get rid of that <laughs> lollipop. Right? And sometimes when the when the uh, when they perform the other members mime like they're chewing gum or something, I think it's supposed to communicate disrespect toward whoever you're you know, the audience, I guess, in the case when they're performing. But I know that I'm not reading too much into that because there's a little behind the scenes video when uh, Crayon Pop is at Music Core waiting to go on stage to perform this version of Bing Bing. And Wei has her lollipop back there and they're messing around watching the other groups perform. And there's a little caption that comes up saying Wei with her censored lollipop. <laughs> And if you watch the actual performance, she doesn't have that music core. I think they have two performances on music core and she doesn't, she doesn't have her lollipop. So the music core censors actually said, let this going too far. We're not going to let you perform with a lollipop jammed in your mouth, you know, and gesturing toward the audience with it. So that's to me, is just amazing. But the actual dance, so the actual dance starts, they're sort of in a circle and they're, they're, ostentatiously ignoring the audience. They're looking up at the sky, sort of like a kid that's being scolded or something. And they've got their hands jammed in their pockets. And they perform, almost all of the choreography is performed with their hands in their pockets, mm. which I've never seen before. It's so yeah, great it's at communicating the concept. Yeah. yeah. And it's also such a challenge for the choreography because they've got to, you know, somehow dance, use their shoulders and hips and head and so on to dance with their mm. hands in their pockets. And... When they occasionally take their hands out of their pockets, but it's to make some kind of hostile gesture. Usually. <laughs> <laughs> so Ellen like crouches down and glares at the audience and slicks her hair back, you know, or way does like a three stooges eye poke gesture <laughs> uh, or points with her lollipop. If they let her use it at the audience during the performance. And when they move, they kind of shuffle around, you know, they scuff their feet like they're really putting in as little effort as possible in this mm -hmm. stage. It's really amazing. And it goes from, from the very start to the very finish because at the very end, actually, at, and during the dance, there's also a jump kick <laughs> toward the audience. I should mention that. <laughs> but at the, at the very end, they come up to the front of the stage and slap the stage. And they, I had to get some help from a Korean friend, but they yell basse to the crowd, which is slang of some kind of, indeterminate meaning but certainly very <laughs> informal 
They, and they, <laughs> they turn their backs on the audience and walk away and sort of wave over their shoulders at them, just totally dismissing the audience. And it's so opposite of anything that an idol should be doing. Mm. It's, I just think it's a, a ma- they had such amazing choreography uh, at, at certain parts of their career. <laughs> and they were actually, you know, it, it's, it probably seems like less of a big deal to us, but I, I know the members were concerned about doing this concept. You know, on their yeah, little they... crayon pop TV show, they would say, Ellen would look to the camera and say, this is just a concept, <laughs> right? Don't, don't, don't misunderstand. It's not so, us. <laughs> right. Yeah. So to me, that's not, you know, performance, great feats of, of uh, dance, but that's one of the best stages that I've ever seen. Yeah. It's like anti-performance almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that in K-pop, the, the lollipop seems like the height of, you know, the delinquency and that it has to be censored. And then you mentioned the Japanese anti-idols and the stuff that they do is like so out there, you know, they stand on their fans or whatever. and It's proper like metal. Yeah, that's another level for sure. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny that this, in some ways, how far behind K-pop are of that. But I think that they're due some sort of proper anti-idol thing eventually, um, which I'm excited for. Yeah, they need to avoid music core, but I'd love to see that. <laughs> mm, but I'm not, I, I mean, which show would be the right, you know, medium? Certainly not simply K-pop, that's for sure. Yeah. Maybe Inky Gaio. Also, Bing Bing has that, that special edition live show where they do the robot to like the Daft Punk style thing with the sunglasses mm, right. as well. It doesn't right. exactly yeah. fit into the concept, but it's just, I think when they pulled out the glasses and put them on, like the Terminator, it's it's really funny and silly. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, it's like it's a totally doesn't it, not part of the rest of the yeah. concept. I think maybe they put it in because that's you know originally they had that cutesy rap that uh, Soyeon did, and I think there's just no way to really translate that into the delinquent schoolgirl concept. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing maybe that's why they did the <laughs> the robot dance Daft Punk uh, <laughs> section. We definitely need more delinquent schoolgirl concepts. That's for sure. I know, right? <laughs> And not sexy ones either. Not sexy delinquent schoolgirl concepts. Just, no, no. just I always use crayon pop as my example to when I have to defend Uncle fans, which is not a good idea. But uh, <laughs> you know, crayon pop were huge with the Uncle fans, and they were they're like the only girl group that didn't lean on yeah. sexy in yeah. any way, right? Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. So score one for the Uncle fans. <laughs> Okay, well, um, my pick is um, Taman from Shiny. Speaking of dance. For dance, yeah. For dance for dance, and for dancer, uh, really. John Yum was my bias in, in Shiny, but Taman is an interesting character because he has said that he always, he never really thought of himself as a singer and he always just thought he would be a dancer. So dance has always been important to him even though he's gone on to have, you know, successful solo career, um, he's still really stuck with dance. Like it's still clear that it's it's still important to him, not just important to him, but I think it, it seems to be becoming more important to him, I think. Either that or he's getting more control over it because the recent stages that he's done 
I think, show a level of sophistication that isn't often seen in dance, in K-pop, for all that we've said about, you know, the amazing things that we've seen on, you know, we constantly see on stages. And the example I want to use is Move, which is from not his latest relief, but the, the one before, which is almost paradoxically, you know, it's almost anti-dance in a way. It's, it's, and certainly not like anything that we usually see in K-pop, which as we say, specifically when the boys do it, they often want to show how strong they are or their athleticism or whatever. But Move was, you know, the absolute opposite of that. It was very slow, you know, it's called Move, but the moves in it were all very slow and, and almost, it's almost like a still routine. You know, the it's like the opposite of sharp, right? People are praised for having sharp choreography. Yes, that's right. It was languid almost, you know, like the, you know, we had that move where the arm would go up and then very slowly come down past his head, down, 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 you know. And um, I mean, it would alternate between these slow, languid moves and then there would be a sharp kind of flex or, you know, whatever. But for the most part, and understate, you know, had an understated um, quality to it. But, but then, you know, there would also be these funny kind of jerky movements that were almost insect-like, you know. So it would go from this elegance to these funny kind of um, pincer-like moves or whatever, you know. Like, it's really, it was, I mean... C- absolute contemporary dance that didn't rely on kind of street dance I guess it was more like something that you'd see you know in a contemporary kind of ballet or something to me it was mesmerizing and really I just really felt like that it was something new and you know the way he talked about it too was just so interesting he did an interview with our esteemed colleague Tamar and saying that he really wanted it to be you know, he said he wanted to break down the idea of what was, you know, a male performance and what was a female performance. He, he didn't want there to be any distinction between it. And this is was, you know, we we're talking about um, point dancers and bar dancers and the, the way that other idols picked up move, you know, and, and they all wanted to have a crack at it, you know. <laughs> like there's so many videos online of idols doing this. And I, I think it's because it was almost like the antithesis of what they're, used to doing you know you got to hit that beat you got to take that step you've got you know in this one it was you know some of the moves were, were, were not on the beat they were after the beat you know and then of course it was just it was so slow and you know all this kind of stuff and it was such a challenge and some of them really fail because they they want to go too fast you know they want to go into that move too fast you know and then you know twice actually sang it as well as performing it and Momo did a pretty good job of it when it came out and I started watching and listening to it I, I a part of me really felt like that he had had the song to tailor the choreography, you know, tailored to the choreography rather than the other way around. But I think that's probably not the case, but that's almost what it what it felt like. Maharu Sugawara is the choreographer. He did three um, videos for it, which is really amazing. Three performance videos for it. And uh, there's an amazing one of him dancing with her in the rain. And, you know, as charismatic as Taman is, she kind of steals the show, you know. But it's incredible, you know, when you talk, he wants to talk about breaking down the male and the female, you know, the ideas of that. And to see them working side by side doing this choreography. And there is absolutely no difference between the pair of them 
you know, dancing this, doing these moves. Yeah, the masculine feminine thing is really interesting because, I, you know, I hadn't read Tamar's article in a while and I went back and looked at Move and I thought, well, that's not super feminine, you know, but that's not what he's saying. You know, it's no. it's not unusual to have to have girls doing boy group dances or boys doing girl, you know, doing feminine choreography or girl group dances. But he, he's not doing that. He's not doing feminine choreography. No. He's trying to do something that's neither one or in between. That's right. Somehow. And I think that the, the way if you look at that, there are some compilations on YouTube of, um, you know, idols dancing to move. And you can see that it's a mixture of male and female idols all having a go at it. And you can, I mean, you know, as we said, you know, on the idol, you know, those shows you will see boy idols trying to do, you know, girl group, you know, songs or whatever, choreography. But there'll always be a little bit of a, hey, isn't this funny? I'm doing a girl group song. You know, but when they're doing move, that they don't feel like that, you know. And the same with the girls. It, it is, he did really come up with this kind of, I guess, it's gender, gender neutral kind of choreography with, um, you know, Sugawara. So it's, yeah, it's really fascinating to me and, um, and you know, and beautiful and, and um, mesmerizing as well. And, and it fits the song perfectly as well. I mean, it serves its purpose, which is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you want something that goes with the music. It can't, it can't be separate to it. It's got a, you know, it's got a, it's a commercial enterprise that's going on here as well as art. So, and, you know, obviously he's a great dancer as well. I've kind of overlooked that bit and talking about the choreography. But, uh, you know, yeah. you know, he can really pull it all off. He's really got the, um, you know, he's he's got the kind of uh, sinuousness and the control and all that kind of stuff that he needs. I was um, watching it again today. I was struck by a couple of things that, um, first of all, watching it and on the lead up to that, that kind of viral point dance, he doesn't do anything. He stands there and he sings. Mm. He sort of moves his arms a little bit, but all he does is walk up to his spot and like snaps into that thing. And it's sort of in between the choruses while he does the thing. He walks around and he has a little bit of movements, but and then kind of always brings it back for that chorus. And each time it's different, mm. but each time mm. it's also a little bit viral. You know, you, you look at all the idols doing that dance as well. They might do a different part each time. You know, obviously, the, the hip movement is the main one, but like you said, the insect part where he's kind of snapping his hands down and then yeah. right at the end where he like leans his chest far forward as well as, you know, an iconic image that I always remember it. And you, you sort of think that these are all together, but they're all, you know, like individual parts of this song, which really gives it, yeah, that, that fluidity and this kind of constant changing, you know, there's no, there's no way of pinning this particular dance or choreography down in a similar way. There's no real way of pinning down Tame In of what he's going to be doing next, I think, and what he may want to do. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, you know, probably should give some credit for to SM for kind of letting him go in this way because I, you know, I think it's, you know, it's pretty unconventional. I know SM does take artistic risks that or they have in the past, um, but, you know, Taman's pretty hot property for them. So, um, you know, good on him. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our unmuted K-pop picks, where each of us picks a song that uh, we've been thinking about or we particularly like. Um, Gabrielle, you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm going to go with one that has been around for a while, but it, she's a rookie, so not everyone may have heard of her. It's Jo Jung Min, 
and um, she has she released a great song called Ready Q, really fun track. So she has released some songs before, notably a kind of EDM trot song, I guess, if you could call it that, called Superman in 2016 and, and another song before that. And she also appears to have won some song contests and stuff. She has a beautiful voice, very um, smooth and fluid Looks like she's not sure how reliable my info on her is. Looks like she's 32 and she's a got a music degree. And so she's, yeah, she's got this music background, but she's, so she's done these trot songs and then she's come out with Ready Q, which is this kind of sounds like a trot song on the surface, but it really has strong Latin influences, but they're not what we've been hearing ad nauseum the last couple of years. It's not Tropical House, it's not Latin House, and it's not Dance Hall, which FYI is not Latin, it's Jamaican. Um, just going to put that in there. Um, what, what it is, is the first part is, is, uh, really classic cumbia, which is a Colombian rhythm and kind of loping rhythm and that has kind of brass. And then in the chorus, it, it kind of revs up and goes into merengue, which is, you know, the Dominican one that's kind of like a one, two, one, two thing and, and has, you know, a bit of farting saxophone in it. So the whole thing's a little bit insane, but it, it, it's also just epic fun, really. It's got a couple of other, you know, a bit of slow bit and a few other bits. So in that sense, it's like, you know, the classic K-pop songs that we all know and love where, that just mash up a whole lot of things in together. And um, and it's pretty addictive. It's one of those ones that, you know, once you start listening to it, you can't really stop. And the Meringue part's good for dancing around the lounge room and um, everyone go and check it out. It's... Um... Mama, drama, You know, what's interesting to me about Ready Q is, and please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but, you know, a lot of times a pre-chorus will have the a drum, some kind of percussion, you know, speed up to mm. build anticipation. Um, but it seems like in this song, the actual tempo of the song gradually speeds up building into the chorus yes it does she's got a i'm not sure what's going on there it's like do you, you mean like the the snare thing where it goes da, 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 that bit i mean it's not just the percussion it seems like the, the whole tempo of the song changes you know it's not just double time or half time it, it's it's just uh well it does because because merengue, merengue is a fast Merengue is a fast rhythm, so yeah. and cumbia is not. Cumbia is a slower. It's generally a slower rhythm than salsa and merengue. So, yeah, it does speed up. And then she slows okay. down for that. There's that slow, almost ballady bit as well in it. So it cha- yeah, there's a lot of tempos in there as well as different rhythms and and stuff. It's yeah, it's, it's a fun song. There's a lot going on. It's 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 really cool. Well, I want to talk about kind of a fun song too, which is Wiki Mickey's Picky Picky. <laughs> It's so good. You I can love just it. tell from the name is yeah. going to be a good song. Yeah, it's so much fun. <laughs> it's it's utterly stupid, but in a fun way. Uh, I, I really like what Mickey Wiki is doing with their group concept. The song is a lot of fun. It's super catchy. The, the choreography is playful. Mm. The vocals are very expressive, like you know, even overacted vocals. I mean, I think that the stage matches the song. It's not something that you're you know, it's not high art. Um, but it's a lot of fun to watch and listen to. Yeah, I, 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 I
one. I think it's a real, real cracker. The other two songs on the EP are also pretty good. The single and the, the first um, B-side, Whatever You Want as well, make a really nice sort of thematic duo because in Picky Picky, the girls are like, obviously, obviously really picky, but they just want everything and they're really choosy and they're like selfish almost with what they want. Mm-hmm. But Whatever You Want, the song is the complete opposite in that they are willing to give anything to this person that they like. So they'll kind of give, they'll give everything, but they'll only take very certain specific things, which I think is a interesting little dichotomy there for them. So you're saying it's a concept yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a, a sort of ballad at the end, which is actually good. But there's something there, I think. Yeah, I haven't actually looked up the lyrics properly, but it seems to be the, the, the idea. I also love that it feels like all of K-pop is contained inside Wiki Mickey. You know, everything they do has <laughs> bits of everything. Even like the, you know, I was I imagine if like this was 2011 or 2012, they'd be like the toast of, you know, the international critical uh, critic, you know, fan base. The sort of music they did was like exactly what you sort of think of, you know, the, the clashing genres and just the, the messiness of it, but the, the pure fun that comes out of it, um, I think is all there. Yeah. Um, and even like the, the title of the song matching, rhyming with their name is, so like early k-pop in terms of i mean to 2011 2012 i started listening to all these silly little things like feel like in an essence of what k-pop is and um, and we can make me perform it so well so i am doing something quite different actually um it's been four year wait for lim kim to come back lim king of, of togo world and she sort of released this song nearly out of nowhere called Salki. This is the song we've been waiting like two or three yeah, yeah, years. Yeah, four years. Four years. Wow. Um, yeah, so last night I was coming home on the train and I listened to it about at least seven or eight times in a row, keep constantly going back and trying to get if I really liked it or not. You know, so it's like a rap song. It's um, got some sort of almost traditional kind of folky chorus type elements in the background, but it's basically just a trap song. Um, she raps all in English with a, a vaguely British accent. Um, but what keeps me coming back are the words. And obviously being away for four years is a long time and a lot has happened in the industry since then. And it sort of feels like that, you know, either something has happened to her or she's just reacting to the terrible things that are happening to women in the Korean entertainment industry at the moment because she's clearly angry. Mm. All of the words, you know, kind of are leading to like a revolution and She's like saying she can't keep hustling harder, like loading guns and just really like great single lines. Like, I don't identify self in the male gaze. Best one towards the end is that I'm an unfuckable creature, not a young average schoolgirl. <laughs> wow. Yeah, like, she's. Yeah, not a great rapper. The song is pretty standard for what it's doing, but like, I feel like this is maybe a precursor of things to come, maybe a pre-release track, because she's clearly got a lot to say on these issues, and she's expressing it in a pretty, really unique and interesting way, and with these words, make it a particular sort of uh, reaction and anger to potentially many things, but. She seems to be kind of latching onto that, maybe the first one doing it. And it's uh, it's it's really interesting. And I hope that she can yeah, release an amazing album because we know she has great albums in her. But I hope it has like a lot of these ideas 
kind of uh, intertwined in it. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if she's been thinking about this for a while because it really jumped out at me in 23, I think was the song. And I don't know the context in which she says this in, in uh, as far as the lyrics, the other lyrics, but there's a really discordant part of that song where she says, don't fucking touch me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you wonder if that's just a little taste of what she's been wanting to, you know, address for a while. Yeah. And given what we know now, you can imagine what we don't know yeah. or what hasn't been said. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It must be. And I mean, the, you know, this whole Burning Sun thing, that's from 2015. Do you know what I mean? People in the industry, yeah. they must have known. And even if they didn't, even if they didn't know exactly, there would have been talk. In It's an industry. People know it. How many idols have said, how often have you read idols saying, my only other friends are idols? Mm. Do you know what I mean? They all hang out with each other. They all know each other. That one chat room had eight idols in it and there were a whole bunch of other chat rooms. So you can just imagine. <laughs> you don't want to, but but just imagine yeah. what how, how the women in this industry, now that it's, I mean, what they were living with before it came out, but now it's out and I just, it, it must in some ways have felt like some kind of, sore has been lanced or, or or maybe not maybe it's not even maybe it's still festering away it's hard to see that that's that that those lyrics aren't a reaction to not just burning sun but all the street marches and everything that's been going on yeah it'll be interesting to see more lyrics see what else she's got in her and and not just her see see who else is you know who else has got some things to say? A somber note to finish. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the song itself, um, you know, I'm with you, Joe. I can't. I, I I need some more time with it to see. Uh, it's certainly not what I was expecting from Lim Kim. I kept waiting for her to start singing, but yeah, I, I want to pay a little more attention to the lyrics and uh, and listen to it a few more times. So, thank you, everyone for listening again and thank you especially to Gabrielle for coming on once again you can find this episode uh, at cultscene.com and our twitters are twitter.com forward slash cultscene and twitter.com forward slash kpop unmuted we're on soundcloud they'll be on stitcher google play itunes um, and such Gabrielle where can uh, our good listeners find you Um, yes twitter Gabrielle Wilder G-A-B-R-I-E-L wilder uh i have a i have a neglected blog it's probably not worth mentioning at this point just go to twitter and see if i've written anything (laughs) gotcha gotcha thanks so much and steven where can they find you i'm at tennessee appeal i am uh, at captain joe hook on twitter and um thank you once again to scott interante for producing and everything he does thank you again for listening and hope to hear from you soon